Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa rasulullah. So we are continuing our parables in the Qur'an, and this is from uh, Surah An-Nahl, ayah number 112, in which Allah Ta'ala says, بَعَدْ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا قَرْيَةً كَانَتْ آمِنَةً مُطْمَئِنَّةً يَأْتِيهَا رِزْقُهَا رَغَدًا مِنْ كُلِّ مَكَانٍ فَكَفَرَتْ بِأَنْعُمِ اللَّهِ فَأَذَاقَهَا اللَّهُ لِبَاسَ الْجُوعِ وَالْخَوْفِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَصْنَعُونَ And Allah presents an example, a city which was safe and secure, its provision uh, coming to it in abundance from every location, but it denied the favors of Allah, so Allah made it taste the envelopment of hunger and fear for what they had been doing. So there's a lot of uh, points here to unpack. The first one is, So Allah Ta'ala says, I'm presenting forth an example of a city. Most scholars say that this city is Mecca. Uh, however, I would say that uh, Imam al-Razi rahimullah, has a really good point. He says that the parable is about some other city, some sort of maybe even hypothetical city, uh, uh, why? Because the parable applies to Mecca. So, therefore, Mecca isn't serving as a parable to itself. You know, if you want to understand what I mean here, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure many people know about the story of the boy who cried wolf. Uh, however, uh, the boy himself, the boy who was actually crying wolf, wasn't warned with his own story. That wouldn't make much sense. You can't go up to that actual boy and say, you know, there once was a boy who cried wolf. Wait, that's him. So it wouldn't make any sense. So in the same way, if Allah is going to present an example that is going to apply to Mecca, then obviously it can't be Mecca itself. It has to be some other city. So I thought that was a really good point from Imam al-Razi and Allah knows best. Now as for Ibn Ashur, rahimullah, he actually has a very uh, interesting opinion. He says, since the previous ayah, ayah number 111, was about the horrors of Judgment Day, and since we can't experience the horrors of Judgment Day, we can't actually you know, m- you know, see it ourselves until that day actually comes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us an idea of what it'll be like by presenting an example of something that we can imagine, which is a, uh, 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 something to you know, uh, instill fear within us, uh, presenting us with an example of something like what? Like people living in luxury, and then they take it for granted because they feel entitled, they become essentially ungrateful brats, and then uh, uh, every single comfort that they had gets ripped away from them. And so Allah Ta'ala is describing this and thinking about and saying, think about this horror, and then this could be an, uh, just giving a taste or a flavor of something that's going to happen in the afterlife, uh, giving us an example of this life, something we can imagine, so we have a better idea of it. Then Allah says, Kanat, describing this, uh, uh, describing this city, Allah says, Kanat aminatan mutma'innatan ya'tiha rizquha raghadan min kulli makanin. Allah Ta'ala first describes the city as what? Amina, safe. This means safe from external threats. When someone is living in fear from an external threat, they can't study, they can't learn, they can't build, they can't develop, they can't improve, they can't start a business. Basically, life is frozen when you're living in fear. And uh, this does apply to Mecca. So this, this city, you know, this example does definitely apply to Mecca. Why? Because city, uh, the city of Mecca was considered Amina. Uh, it was considered uh, safe. And it also was considered provided for. When Allah Ta'ala mentions what? Uh, Allah Ta'ala says, Have we not established for them a safe sanctuary to which are brought the fruits of all things uh, as provision from us? So clearly, you know, these examples apply to Mecca, but I still don't think it's uh, describing Mecca itself. It's just something, an example that applies to Mecca. So the first description is what? Amina, safe. 
from external threats. Mutma'inna is safe from internal threats. That means it has tranquility within itself. In, a, in other words, there is no internal strife, there's no civil war, there's no social discord. Another possibility is that there is no pandemic, there's health. Mutma'inna means like you're sound, you're safe, as in, in other words, you're not sick. And then the, the third description is what? Rahadam min kulli makanin. That is pr- uh, provisions or was coming in abundantly and easily. Uh, so easily and also in large uh, uh, amounts from every direction. Now, obviously, we know that when provisions come from one direction, you're afraid that maybe one single problem will cause all that provision to stop. Whereas where when provisions are coming from every direction, it reassures you that if one has a problem, if one source has an issue, then it will still function smoothly from other directions. And this also applies to the city of Mecca. Why? Because it was receiving provisions from all directions. And this was exactly the dua that Ibrahim made in Surah Ibrahim, ayah number 37, in which Allah Ta'ala quotes him saying, وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ And provide for them all sorts of fruits. So these three together provide what? Safety from external threats, healthy and peaceful internally, and abundant resources. This makes the perfect environment. So what happened then? So they were living in abundance, and then Allah Ta'ala says, فَكَثَرَتْ بِأَنْعُمِ اللَّهِ This uh, denial refers to the rejection of the Prophet Muhammad This is what one opinion, uh, because the very next verse, ayah number 113, says what? And there had certainly come to them a messenger from among themselves, but they denied him. So that seems to be very uh, valid. But what's also very fascinating about this ayah, and the reason why it has this sort of very general applicability, is because you notice that the verse doesn't say that they disbelieved in Allah. It doesn't say that they committed kufr. Allah says, كَفَرَتْ بِأَنْعُمِ اللَّهِ Not, uh, they didn't disbelieve in Allah, rather they denied his blessings. This could mean that they affirmed their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, they didn't attribute all of their blessings back to him. Rather, you know, oh, this is from my own knowledge and, you know, it's a cause of arrogance or whatever. Nor do they feel the need to use those blessings for Allah's sake. You know, one of the ways that you do kufr and ni'mah or that you deny blessings is that you take in those blessings and you don't use them for Allah's sake. You don't use them for the pleasure of Allah. Rather, you uh, uh, use them for other purposes, basically for haram means, uh, uh, as, a, as a means to haram. So Allah says, as a result of that, what happened? Which means what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them taste the clothing or the envelopment of hunger and fear. So historically, what does this refer to? This is a reference to uh, how uh, the Quraysh experienced seven years of drought. Uh, plus the raids of the Prophet Muhammad So it seems that this example of the city is a, is a warning to, uh, to, Me- to, to Mecca, and it's letting them know, you know, if you go down this road, if you deny Allah's blessings, then you're going to have this hardship. And of course, the hardship did come with these seven years of drought. And of course, the Prophet after he moved to Medina, there was raids that put them in a state of fear and hunger. And obviously, this could be a reference to the heads of Quraysh being killed at the Battle of Badr. This is a possible implication. However, there does also seem to be a universal application, specifically because of the wording, what? Denying Allah's blessings. If you take a look at every Muslim country, they don't disbelieve in Allah, they believe in Allah, but they are not using their blessings accordingly by taking guidance and applying the Sharia. So, because of that, look, has, look at what has happened to all of these Muslim countries. They used to be beautiful places that people love to go uh, and see these tourist resorts and see the beautiful uh, cities and so on and so forth and enjoy this uh, wonderful experience. And nowadays, what do we know? That they were colonized, broken, bombed, bombarded, sanctioned, attacked, 
invaded, destroyed, ruined. So subhanAllah, it seems to be the case that because Allah Ta'ala specifically says what? That they denied his blessings, they didn't deny him. This is not talking about necessarily just kuffar. This can apply to disbelievers, but it can also apply to Muslims that stop practicing their deen. That instead of taking in their blessings and using it for the sake of Allah, instead of taking in all this wealth and all this, uh, you know, all these gifts and using them to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they abuse their gifts and then ultimately you find that their cities will be in ruin. And subhanAllah, this is a very scary reality that we see uh, the reality of, of it every day. Um, there is a linguistic critique of this ayah. Some people will say, isn't it odd that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I made them taste the what? The libas, the clothing or the envelopment of hunger and uh, fear. They say it should have been الجور, that Allah made them wear the clothing of hunger. Or it could have been what? الجور, that Allah made them taste the flavor. So if you're going to mention clothing, you say wearing. Or if you're going to mention the taste or the flavor of something, you're going to say the taste uh, of this specific flavor. But the fact that Allah Ta'ala mixes and matches and says, I made them taste something, what was it? The wearing or the clothing of hunger and uh, 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 fear, it seems like a mismatch. So what is the response to this critique? Well, food is a taste uh, food is tasted in the mouth. Yes, of course, that's true. But hunger is felt all over one's body. Uh, and uh, like clothing, you know, clothing is felt all over the body. It's the same thing. And the taste of it can be experienced in the mouth as well. So the combination of them both, uh, of the both works together. So you get the idea, right? Allah Ta'ala is saying, the reason why Allah Ta'ala is combining them both is because this is something that you taste internally, so there's an internal effect, but there's also an external one as well. Plus, clothing just touches the body, so uh, the verse could be referring to the fact that Allah just touched them with hunger, because anything more than that would have starved them to death. Like, I just gave you a taste of it, I gave you a touch of it, just like the way clothing just barely, you know, touches your uh, external body. But I think Al-Qurtubi has an even nicer response that I really think is quite beautiful. He says what? Clothes are what you wear for the sake of changing your appearance, and this was a hunger that began as a feeling, something internal and experienced, so just like taste, something on the inside, but it eventually changed the way they looked. They eventually became people who looked emaciated, uh, they, looked, uh, they had this paleness, discoloration, etc. And so as a result of that, Allah Ta'ala combines these statements by saying He made you taste the envelopment or the clothing of hunger. Why? Because it started as something internal and in the mouth, as a feeling, but then it you got hungry for so long that eventually you looked emaciated and it changed the way you look just the same way clothes change the way you look. So I think that combination, subhanAllah, really shows you that this is the peak of eloquence, subhanAllah. Now, this verse describes why blessings are removed, uh, which is what? Ingratitude. And so we should always remember to make the dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min zawali ni'matik. Oh Allah, I take refuge in you from the withdrawal of your blessings. So we don't want to be ungrateful. We want, we want to be grateful for our blessings and always make this dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min zawali ni'matik. Oh Allah, I take refuge in you from the removal of my blessings. It's a very, very important dua we should make regularly. And furthermore, um, we know that blessings are removed because a person becomes a worse individual. Allah mentions this in Surah Anfal, ayah number 53. That Allah, that is because Allah would not change a favor which He has bestowed upon a people until they change what is within themselves. Allah Ta'ala is not going to change your good state and all these blessings that He's giving you until you, you become corrupt and those blessings make you arrogant and therefore, yes, they can be removed from you. So subhanAllah, 
Another related verse to this is in Surah Talaq, Ayat 8, 9, and 10. Allah says what? Allah says, and how many a city was insolent towards the command of its Lord and his messenger. So again, it's not about rejecting Allah and his messenger, it's about the commands. It's about applying this sharia. It's about applying the deeds and being grateful for what you have and using it for the sake of Allah. So we took it uh, to severe account and punished it with a terrible punishment and it tasted the bad consequence of its affair and the outcome of its affair was loss. Allah has prepared for them a severe punishment so fear Allah O you of understanding who have believed and Allah sent down to you this Quran, this reminder. Yes, now we should also remember the opposite is true. If it is the case that your ingratitude causes this hardship to come, then you have to just flip it on his head. If I'm grateful, therefore I will be blessed more. And this is obviously a reference when Allah says, If you are grateful, I will surely increase you in favors. Ibn al-Qayyim has a very beautiful quote. And I really found this so powerful and so beautiful. I hope, inshallah ta'ala, you appreciate this as well. Ibn al-Qayyim says what? Kan as-salafu yusammoon al-shukr al-hafiz al-jalib li'annahu yahfazun ni'am al-mawjooda wa yajlibu ni'am al-mafquda. He says that the Salaf, the early generations, that means lots of different you know, righteous scholars and so forth, they used to always call a shukr, gratitude. What, would they, what, what name would they have for it? Al-Hafiz al-Jalib, which means what? The preserver and the attractor. Why? Because, it's the, because gratitude in and of itself preserves the blessings that you have and it attracts the blessings you don't have. That is the power of shukr. When you are grateful for your blessings, when you are not only grateful by saying alhamdulillah, ashkurullah, and things like this, but in addition to that, in addition to just feeling gratitude, you live out your gratitude by applying uh, uh, yourself and applying your deen with whatever blessings you have. You get more wealth, spend it for the sake of Allah. You get more strength, use that for the sake of Allah. You have more intelligence, use that for the sake of Allah. Whatever you have, use it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? This is going to preserve what blessings you have, al-hafil and al-jalib. It's going to attract whatever blessings you don't have. Now, there's also two important questions we have to ask. What are the reasons that Allah Ta'ala wouldn't destroy a city? Allah Ta'ala mentions what? But Allah would not punish them while you, Muhammad are among them, and Allah would not punish them while they are seeking forgiveness. So number one, if the Prophet is with them, but that doesn't really apply to us anymore because obviously the Prophet is no longer with us. So the one I really want to focus on primarily is what? Allah will not punish them while they are seeking forgiveness. As long as you are asking Allah Ta'ala to forgive you, what does that imply? That means you know you can be better. You know you as an individual, you can improve. That you know that, look, I did something, but uh, I'm going to ask Allah to forgive me because I'm going to try to be a better person. I'm going to repent and make the firm resolve that I won't go back to that behavior. So as long as you believe in yourself that you can be a better person and you're asking Allah to forgive you and you're trying to be better, this is one reason why Allah will not punish a city or a group of people. The number two is what? You still believe in improving not just yourself, which is number one, but number two, in others. You believe others can do better. You think that you can reform society. Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ رَبُّكَ لِيُهْلِكَ الْقُرَىٰ بِظُلْمٍ وَأَهْلُهَا مُصْلِحُونَ And your Lord would not have destroyed the cities unjustly while their people were reformers. Reformers, islah, reformation. What does that mean? I think I can make the situation better. I think I can make people better. I think we can reform and improve ourselves. So it's really quite remarkable that these two ayat 
you know, you see them uh, so perfectly complementing each other. One of them is saying, as long as you believe that you yourself can be better, then, and number two, as long as you believe others and the people around you can also improve, then together, you as a community can, inshallah ta'ala, work and become better people, and ultimately that's going to protect you from Allah's punishment. When those two things are gone, I'm not getting any better, and neither is anybody else around me. When there's no faith in either one, the individual himself or the rest of society, that's when you know a group of people are headed for destruction. Regarding us today living as a minority in the land of non-Muslims uh, here in the West, when we should remember that when people are ignorant of Islam, uh, their blessings surely may continue, but if the Muslims don't call them to the truth and instead you just leave them in their ignorance, then we are guilty as Muslims. So we have to call them to the truth. And then when that happens, when we do call them to the truth and they understand fully and then reject it anyhow, uh, uh, then there is no going back. Their lives will gradually and consistently deterior deteriorate. Uh, their blessings will dwindle and their personalities will harden. Why? Because they used to be open-minded, but then they were presented with the truth that they ultimately rejected. And subhanAllah, you will see the downward uh, effect after that. So we hope, obviously, that those who we give da'wah to do embrace Islam, inshaAllah ta'ala. Final portion of this ayah, Allah says, Bima kanu Because of what they had consistently been manufacturing. Uh, the combination of kanu presents uh, uh, and the present tense verb of yasnarun implies that it wasn't an isolated infraction nor temporary lapse in judgment. Rather, this is what they had been continuously and persistently and stubbornly doing for a long time, which is what? Being ungrateful and not using Allah's blessings in the right way. And sana'a yasnaru, sun'an or sun'an, sani'an or sina'atan means what? To arrange, to make, to manufacture, to design, to produce, uh, to do with a level of expertise. That's what it implies. So doing a bad thing is obviously evil, but when evil is what you manufacture and sell, that is much worse. So the example of this is what Mecca was built for the sake, uh, was built by Ibrahim and his son Ismail as a place to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the Arabs slowly turned it into a place of idolatrous pilgrimage. It wasn't just that they were doing bad things, but that's what they were producing for mankind. They were saying, listen, we are a place where you come and you visit idols. So this is what they were known for in terms of production. Unfortunately, there are Muslim countries that have a reputation as a resort for haram. In other words, come here to this destination because we have all sorts of evil things that you can enjoy. This isn't just what we do. This is what we are manufacturing, producing, selling. And this is what we are consistently, persistently doing. It's not a one-time thing. This is, this is what we're known for. So subhanAllah, we should be known for our halal, our good, uh, you know, uh, goods and services, um, and we should be known for our da'wah and calling to the truth. We shouldn't be, as Muslim countries, known for producing and manufacturing and spreading all sorts of evil. And when that does take place, then subhanAllah, you can expect that Allah Ta'ala's punishment will come down upon us. So may Allah Ta'ala protect us and appreciate this parable and understand it in depth. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.